Hey everyone, today's topic is how do I know if I am a, a child of God? Um, <laughs> wow, this is a topic we, we could discuss for days or weeks. There's so many ways to approach it. and The Bible's full of ways to answer this question. Uh, for me, uh, I've thought about it for many years. The questions plagued me early on in my life at a young age. So, yeah, <laughs> there's much I could say. Um, but I, I'm going to focus on some something simple, I think. And here's the question. Uh, who am I really? Am I a true believer? I think that's a good question if we ask it in the right way. In other words, am I obsessed about me being a believer or is my focus on who I am called to believe in? Which is more important, the I or the who I am going to believe in? <laughs> if it's about the latter, then the I in the question begins to fade into the background and we seek to learn more about this one that we are to delight in. And so the question changes from who am I to who are you, God? And we begin calling out to him, please show me your glory. Please show me more of how your good news for my soul. Uh, questions like, why are you the greatest treasure in the universe? Why is there fullness of joy? in your presence. And as he shows us his glory, we automatically begin delighting in what he shows us, what he says. And that's godly belief. It's a delighting in, in God's word. So believing, what does it mean to believe? I mean, the truth is demons believe. But think about it. It's not with delight. It's with dread. These kind of questions are the best, I think. The, the ones that highlight seeing more of God's awesomeness than to delight in Him more and more for who He shows us that He is. For me personally, I began to notice that when I was delighting in God's Word, the doubts fled. They were nowhere to be found. When I slipped out of that delight, they returned. So it seems to me that you you really can't analyze what it means to believe from a legalistic type uh, position. Um, it's like the Holy Spirit, you know. You can see the things, it changes and it moves, but you really can't see it. C.S. Lewis used <laughs> laughter as a parallel to explain what it meant to believe. And I'm just remembering back what he said. I think it's uh, in context, but it's in my own words. And he said how you can't really analyze belief from a legalistic position to see if you're truly believing. It's like when you're sharing a, a jaw aching laugh with a friend or a loved one. You know what I'm talking about, right? One that goes on and on and you can't seem to stop. It seems like the muscles are stretched farther in your mouth uh, with laughter than when you go to the dentist, right? And they stretch your mouth. That's horrible. But your muscles ache and you can't stop laughing. 
however, there is one way to stop laughing, C.S. Lewis says, and if you're able to change your way of thinking and begin analyzing laughter, what is the secret to this kind of laughing? If I could figure it out, I could like bottle it and sell it, right? Comedians would pay quite a bit for that. <laughs> Essentially, Lewis said that when we begin to analyze laughter in a scientific fashion, we remove ourselves from it so that when we look for it, <laughs> there's nothing there to analyze. We can't figure out the mystery of laughter. And it's kind of like that when we analyze believing from that kind of a standpoint. Did I call on the Lord? Uh, yes, but wait, uh, was I sincere? Uh, did I recognize him as Lord? Did I call in faith? Was I just saying words? Was it all about me? Was it about him? Uh, did I come to Jesus? How can anyone actually come to someone they can't see? And so you, there's all kinds of questions. There's always another one it, with this kind of analyzing. It can go on forever. And uh, it, also the focus is always on me. Um, like I said, when I delighted in God's word, my doubts disappeared. And delighting is believing the promises of God, the Word of God. It, it's delighting, rejoicing, trusting, having faith in. All these are ways to say, I believe. So our assurance then comes not just by believing once, but it comes from walking in that belief. Or you might say, <laughs> always practicing belief. That's how we have full and constant assurance. The Apostle John talks about this in 1 John. In chapter 5, he's given us a summary. Let me read some of this. Uh, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And, and so much of the book of, of 1 John talks about this. I mean, it's, it's to give assurance to true believers. So if we back up to chapter 3, we can see some more of those things that give us assurance. Uh, let's begin with uh, chapter 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. In verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So, um, who we love and what we practice really tells a story of whether we are a child of God, right? And it's not just what we practice. Um, the Pharisees, they practice righteousness, right? <laughs> That's not it. What we practice has to be motivated by what or who we love. Some of you may know that I play the guitar and I like writing songs. Now, if I take my guitar out of my closet a few times in the year for only a few minutes, let's say I'd only written two or three songs in my life, and we met. And I said, hi, my name is Robin Ayler. I am a guitar player and a songwriter. I would be making myself out to be something that I am not. 
In other words, I'm not passionate about songwriting or playing the guitar. It's not what I'm about. It's not a part of my life goal. It's, it's not in my DNA. It's not who I am. I don't make a practice out of writing and playing. <laughs> it's not important enough to be a part of my life in my daily routines, along with the other things in my life, like sports and TV and internet, games, bingo, whatever, right? <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> I do practice my guitar almost every day. And I write songs sometimes daily, often daily. I've written hundreds of songs. <laughs> Take note, <laughs> I did not say I was an expert at either one of those by any means of the imagination, but I get to call myself a songwriter and a guitar player because it's a part of who I am. I practice it. Um, I have assurance of who I am in this because of the fact that uh, practicing these things automatically uh, falls into my life routines. Okay, let's go to another one out of 1 John chapter 3, continuing on with the same line of, of reasoning by John. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So the practicing of keeping his commandments and uh, then by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit identifies us as a child of God um, because we are being changed to love the things of God, the ways of God, the character of God, the attributes of God. I have a good friend and brother in Christ who lives in Pakistan. He's a young man about 20 years old. We talk on a regular basis, many times a week. And I told him about the topic of this talk today, this devotional, how it was, how do I know if I'm a child of God? And at first, <laughs> he seemed to be taken back by the question for, uh, you know, those who live in these anti-Christian countries where you can be disinherited from your family and even killed for converting to Christ, I think it seemed uh, to him like a strange question to ask. How do you know if you're a believer or not? <laughs> because, um, you know, they make a strong commitment and put their, their whole life on the line when they come to Christ. They have to know who they believe in. And so my friend, he paused for a second. And then he said something like, well... You love Jesus now, and you believe now, right? <laughs> exactly. It's not complicated. It's that simple. And Jesus said it like this. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's Mark 1.15. So that's what my friend was saying. Love Jesus now. That's repentance. We used to love the things of the world. Those were the things we treasured. But now we treasure Jesus. And my friend said, but now we believe. And Jesus said, believe the gospel. That was the good news about why Jesus came. He was the promised one from Genesis after Adam and Eve sinned, right? He's man's only hope for sin. He's, he's yours. He's mine. So 
To believe is to delight in God's promise of Jesus. You know, Jesus also explained what it means to believe. I used to stress about this as well. Jesus explained it to Nicodemus right before he spoke John 3.16, telling him to believe, and whoever believes has eternal life. Here's what he said, John 3.14 and 15, Jesus is speaking, and he says to Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Remember the story from Israel's journey through the wilderness? They had sinned, and God um, he sent snakes out to bite the people uh, as a form of discipline or judgment. And they became sick and would die. Uh, but God showed mercy. And what did he want from Israel? He wanted them to repent and turn back to God as their treasure and believe, right? So he had Moses put this uh, brass or, or brazen figure of a snake on a pole and lift it up high in the air. And whoever had faith to believe God and look up to the snake would be healed and their life would be saved. And this uh, must have seemed like a wild thing to the people for Moses to ask them to do, to have faith to look up to a snake that must have reminded them of Satan, right? Bringing sin into the world, tempting Adam and Eve. And, and this story must have even puzzled the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders and, and the Jewish people for hundreds of years. Why did God have the people look to a snake, uh, what is a symbol of evil, to be healed? But Jesus was telling Nicodemus, that like the snake is a symbol of how sin came into the world, Jesus would become sin for Nicodemus. And you and me, he would be raised up on a cross, and everyone who had faith to look to him would be saved. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus became sin, and we receive his righteousness, all who believe, all who repent and look to him as their treasure. So Jesus would die and be raised on the third day that we might die to sin and be raised up spiritually um, with power over sin as we walk with him. And then one day with new bodies, to be with him forever, to be raised up. So that's what it means to repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from treasuring sin. Um, look to Jesus as the greatest treasure in the universe. Delight in him as the healer for all of our brokenness. And, and another thing, belief is not prideful. All the affections of Christ are accompanied by humility. Why? Because of God's grace and God's mercy on us as the sinners that we are, right? So let me close with one more of my favorites uh, for assurance. It's, it has to do with faith working itself out in love. Here's what Paul says, Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith, 
working through love. So it's not about getting our assurance legalistically like the Pharisees uh, did or uh, from worldly wisdom like the Gentiles did, right? Those things count for nothing. Paul says that the only thing that counts is faith or belief working through love. And the book of John talks about many who believed, but it was with an ungodly faith. And then James chapter 2 talks about how demons believe and shudder. So neither one of these kinds of belief comply with what we've been talking about today. It's about treasuring Jesus instead of the world, believing and delighting in him as our good news, um, and loving our neighbor with the same kind of love that he has for us. It's practicing faith as it's working itself out in love in our life. And that's the Holy Spirit that's, that's working out the affections of God in our life. And uh, when we walk in that, then we have constant assurance uh, that we are a child of God. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the assurance that comes uh, through repentance and walking in belief, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, I'm reminded how Adam and Eve walked with you and they believed you and um, then they repented of that belief and they began to believe Satan and his promises for satisfaction. And you have called us to repent again from that and to turn to you as the only one who can satisfy the treasure uh, worth leaving all for with great joy, Father. Help us to believe your word, rest in your word, Father over the promises of the world, over the fears of the world, and and take your peace and your joy with us and share it with others in love. In Jesus' name, amen.